Uh, welcome back. Uh, uh, later, Jerry Seinfeld will be here, a very funny gentleman, and tomorrow, Pete Townsend, Marv Albert, and Stupid Petrix. That's tomorrow. Now, uh, do, you feel, do you feel some pressure that you have to live up to something now? That you've, uh, you run in for the touchdown, you caught a pass. What, are you going to do any uh, kick returning? Well, I don't know. We What a Coach Dicker, you know, has in mind. Yeah. Would you, would you mind returning a kick? Oh, not at all. I'll do it. And and what about uh, throwing a pass? Could you throw a pass? Uh, that that might be in the making. Yeah. Oh, is that right? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of an arm have you got? Pretty oh, good? Uh, like Roger Starback. Really? Bullets? <laughs> <laughs> really? Just real? Uh... All right. We'll look for that. Now, you okay. actually, uh, what about uh, kicking punts? Well, I, I kick a little bit, uh, you know, field goals, play around with uh, Kevin Butler and Steve McMichael at practice. I yeah. kick, kick a little bit. You kicked a 55-yard uh, field goal in college, right? Yes, yeah, so that was me and Donald. Was Donald Yakeway Buque. He was down at uh, playing for Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He was playing around one day. That I wasn't just, in the game, though? No, I just booty point. Yeah, that, <laughs> 55 yards, dead on the money? Oh, yes, straight yeah. through. And are, are, you, uh, are you getting a lot of offers and people interested in you for endorsements and stuff now? Yes, it's, it's coming in. My agent is handling, is handling all that on, on his part. Any, so. any Good stuff? Uh, Pontiac, McDonald's, uh, uh -huh. Coca-Cola, uh, fr uh, Fridge, uh, GE, Amana. Yeah. It goes on. Uh, I understand in Japan people actually worship you. <laughs> yes, I, uh, I heard that joke yeah, I heard that before. Yes. I have an idea. Do you have a second before we leave? Yes. Let's, let's go in here to the green room. I have, I have okay. this uh, for a second. We'll, uh, I think this might be interesting. Now, you're, you say you're 6'2", yes. and you weigh what? 302. 302. All right, come on in here. We'll be right back. How do you do? Nice to see you. Are you people with the show? Yeah. Uh, I bet you are. All right. Uh, here's, the, here's the green room. Uh, this is uh, Mr. Perry. This is where all of the, uh, the guests stay. This is uh, Emmanuel Lewis. There's uh, William Refrigerator Perry. Hi. <laughs> and this is, uh, this is Jerry Seinfeld. Jerry is going to be on the show a little bit later now. I don't know. Excuse me. Can you turn around right like that? And Jerry, stand right next to him. Look at that. Look at that. You see the difference? <laughs> Look at that. He's, a, he's an easy, like, four inches taller. And what do you weigh, Jerry? 145. 145, and you weigh, like, 304. Yes, the big difference. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, God, that's amazing. Thank you very much, Jerry. Okay, thank you. Nice seeing you. We'll see you a little bit thank later. You. And uh, are we all done here? Uh, William, thank you very much. Have a great season. And, and maybe you're going to the Super Bowl, huh? All the way. Yeah, all right. Thanks for coming by. Right, nice meeting you. Uh, we'll, we'll be right back, folks. Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise Podcast. It's time to remember this crap with Mike Donahue, and today is a very special... We're taking a special crap. Oh, that doesn't sound good. It's the holidays. Uh, it is... It's Packer Week again. Uh, this will be the fourth Packer Week of Remember This Crap. Uh, so what we decided to do is we're, look, we're so looking forward to... Uh, Sunday night's Bear Packer game that instead we're going to watch and and uh, comment on, and I will link to this so you can follow along if you want, uh, a 18-minute version of the 1985 Bears-Packers game at Soldier Field. It was Monday Night Football, and uh, most memorable for... Um, well, something that's going to happen that I'm sure you already remember that happened. Yeah, if you don't know by now, kids, just tune in. Just stay tuned. If you're personal friends with George Cumby, you should probably tell him to, to tune into this podcast. He's going to play a big part of it. Um, 
if he can hear you. Is he deaf? Well, I think he may have some like frontal lobe damage. Yeah. That could have affected his, you know, auditory uh, input. So this game was a matchup of the six and zero Mike Ditka Bears against the three and three Forrest Gregg Packers. And surprised uh, to learn, surprised to learn the Packers are only three and th- were actually three and three. Yeah. And Coach Ditka had had himself quite a week. Um. So the Bears had gone out to San Francisco, where they had got their revenge for their NFC Championship um, debacle from the year before, which we broke down not in this manner like we're doing tonight, where we and we've done a couple times in the past, but we broke down that game and how satisfying it was, and it really it was it was all part of the, the this sort of path that the the Bears were torching. Um, and they exacted revenge on on the Niners who had eliminated the Bears in the NFC conference game the year before. Right. So we we talked about that that the first game that was um, mem- most memorable for um, obviously the Bears winning and for uh, Ditka getting his petty revenge against Bill Walsh. Well, there's what right by putting Sorry. by putting William the refrigerator Perry into the backfield. Uh, because a year before, in the elephant package that the Niners had, despite blowing out the Bears, they, they felt the need to put Guy McIntyre in the backfield, offensive lineman. Uh, it was uh, a shutout. I think they were up 20 nothing. They're going to the Super Bowl, which they, they would win. It would be Walsh's uh, second. Uh, yeah, so it's second. memorable for that. The Bears win. The Fridge makes his debut in the backfield. And Dickey gets a DUI on the way home. From the airport, from O'Hare. And we've talked about that before, so I'll just bring up once again the joke that was making its way around Lively Junior High School as I was, uh, or Grove Junior High School as I was an eighth grader, where, uh, you know, 1985 was a kind of a point where uh, people became a little more concerned uh, about alcohol consumption uh, at sporting events and, and whatnot. And if you're not sure, look up any YouTube video of certain baseball games from the 70s, but. I don't think they had a limit, like, you know, we all assume to to be the case now. And I recall the Bears are not on Monday night very often either. They uh, This would be the first home Monday night game in a few years. Uh, they were, you know, back in, in, in these days, of course, uh, unlike today where one NFL team is always guaranteed at least one primetime game, whether that's Sunday night or Monday night, you could go years and not be on primetime. And, you know, Monday night football was the only uh, was the only primetime game. So Soldier Field's gearing up. You got an undefeated Bears team. What are they coming into this game? 6-0, Six and maybe? 5-0. Six and zero coming into the game, um, a real a real sort of ascension was 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 very very real, very eminent, very present. They had gone so far the year before. There was no sign that they were not continuing on this um, just you know uh, wonderful trajectory, and people were excited, uh, including the coach. But uh, in an effort to maybe curb any sort of excess excitements, the uh, it had been announced uh, after the Niners game that. Uh, Soldier Field would cut off bear sales at halftime, which, again, we see this in every stadium and every sport now and have for at least 25, 30 years. But it was a newsworthy event because that had just not been done before. I don't think Wrigley Field was was even doing it. Football tends to get rowdier fans, especially if they're tailgating uh, beforehand. But the joke that made its way around uh, the junior high circuit, of course, was that uh, did you you hear why the bears are the the, the bears are uh, 
cutting off beer sales at halftime, so that Ditka can uh, can have it on the way home. <laughs> so it's probably true. Um, be like Norm Macdonald and take ten minutes for that shaggy dog joke. But it was, it, believe me, kids, it was a knee slapper, nineteen eighty-five. So um, this Monday Night Crew that year, which we've talked about in the past, uh, when we talked about the infamous Thursday Night uh, Bears Vikings game. Which we, uh, we may revisit is uh, three Hall of Fame NFL players: Frank Gifford, Joe Namath, and Orenthal James Simpson. And if you think they were bad, woo, you were right. Uh, the GIF was uh, the play-by-play guy. Well, they're great football players, obviously, because they're Hall of Famers. Yes, right? but just an awful crew. <laughs> Three Hall of Famers, only one alleged murder. Frank, who was always the weak link in the booth, was the best one in this booth. Yeah, the fact that he was doing play-by-play, I I don't think it seemed weird at the time. I think it would seem weird now because you very rarely see uh, former jocks ascend all the way to the play-by-play, you know, in football. Well, Uh, I mean, yeah, we had, you had, uh, you had Pat Summerall. Right, so yeah. he was a former, yeah, the early... former player. He was an yeah, he was mostly a kicker, but he was also an end. Yeah. yeah. Um, in fact, right. his name was not Pat. They called That's him right. Pat because uh, it would say P A T Summerall in the box score for point after touchdown, and his nickname became Pat, and he literally went by Pat forever Terrific. after that. Pat Summerall and Frank Gifford also would have been uh, teammates. I'm guessing too. Oh, I'm sure pretty they were. Good Giants teams in the 50s. So they were both play-by-play guys. I think Gifford started as an analyst. I think in the early days of Monday Night Football, I think Keith Jackson, the legendary, really the college football uh, voice for a yeah. couple of generations, was the original play-by-play man. Uh, and I think that was sort of like, you know, not to compare it to like the 1975 season of Saturday Night Live where you're like, you know, it's never going to get any better. But it, it seemed that with Jackson, I think Gifford – Maybe not even Gifford. Uh, they had Cosell in the booth, I believe, and uh, and Don Meredith. So I think Namath was trying to sort of be like a Don Meredith. That's my memory of Namath was only in the booth for a couple of years. Yeah. And also, Andy, this game that we're breaking down is edited so concisely that you actually there, there there's not much. When when Andy says uh, that the, these guys were terrible, you have to take uh, his word for it. Yeah. The game well, there is, is a um, the one we'll link to is this one, but there you can watch the whole thing on YouTube. If you want to get OJ and um, really and Joe, because you're right, when you cut it down to mostly the live plays, which this does, you pretty much just get Frank. Mm-hmm. Who sucks, so, like you said. I, I mean, so who who did play-by-play when it was Frank, Don, and Howard? It had to be I think Frank, was, right? I think it was when Frank got broken yeah. in as play-by-play. So he took over when somewhere the Jackson Mid-70s. Yep. And he just did it until Al Michaels. 87. So he did it for a good 10 years, I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah, he was understated like Summerall. Like, he, you know, he was not over the top. Yeah, it's really not that hard to do it on TV. Because we could see it. So <laughs> just don't really fuck it up. And most people don't really care. All, all Summerall did would be like, listen to, for the spotter to tell him. Like, Well, yeah, you know, Summerall did the, the, the he adopted the, the Ray Scott, which was basically just say the name of the guy with the ball. You know, <laughs> it worked. And it was, and so then, and Joe Buck admits that when he first started, when he ascended to the number one crew, 
at Fox that he was basically just doing a Pat Summerall impression. He thought, I'm just going to like lay out and I'll just say... And he got a lot of shit for not getting excited enough in big moments. And then at some point, Joe decided, you know, fuck it, I'm just going to do it the way I want to do it. And right. now we get the kind of the smart-ass, smarmy Joe that we have now, which right. I used to hate and now I don't mind at all. Right. He, he seems to have achieved some level of self-awareness that makes him suddenly yeah. likable. I think we all agree on that. So, even though he's... Troy is quite a. You can go. Well, you can, there's a, you, you can, Troy can talk for three hours and make like two points. But you've been able to extract some appreciation yes. for Troy in the context of the the Bears' yep. offensive. The thing that I by far love the most about Troy is that he cannot get over how dumb the Matt Nagy offense is. and he just can't <laughs> help himself. He can't. He'll just be he's like, no, "What are they doing? This doesn't. I don't no, get it." He's normally very bland and politic, but, but he, it's hard for him to conceal. He clearly is just befuddled by whatever the hell the Bears are trying to do. Yeah. Um, and I have a hunch he's never going to get to do another one. Now, it's they're, on, they're on Sunday Night Football this week. They're on Monday Night Football <laughs> next week, and they finish up with the Seahawks and the Giants. Oh, yeah. And I just can't imagine that Joe and Troy are doing either of those we, games. We've seen our last uh, Troy Aikman attempt at disguising his disgust yeah. with the Bears. Okay, yeah, so um, th- so the way we're going to do this is we're going to um, we're gonna watch it. We've both seen it, so it's not like um, we're both going to watch it and comment on it as we go. I'll pause it occasionally. Which will probably make it impossible for you at home to try to follow along while you're watching it. <laughs> um, but that's just how it's going to be. Um, I so. mean, you can stop right now and watch it. It's only 18 minutes, but I don't think uh, that would have any value. You're going to hear it, you know, anyway, right? Yeah, now you I'm not listen. going to play the audio for all of it because that would get annoying to have. Thank God. There'd be five of us talking. But there will be key plays where we're going to want to hear what Frank said. And we'll just go back and play. That's That, I think, is the time when it's... Actually, I know from when we did the Redskins one. And there'll be times we'll just pause it because we're going to want to talk about what just happened and not have to rush. Right. Because that's the the disadvantage to a... The advantage to a cut-up one like this is it's not going to take eight hours like we did the Bears and the Jets. You're, you're trying to, like, scroll the, the But the other thing is there are times when... it Because there's no time between plays... If we're going to talk about something, we just have to stop it for a minute. That's it. So, yeah. And you know what? It's free. So, <laughs> stop complaining. Stop yelling at your car stereo. Uh, it's free. And it's going to be about what it's worth. The enjoyment you get is exactly is exactly what you paid for it. All right. So we have no idea. I we I guess we assume. <laughs> we don't know because there's no score bug. There's no score bug, and also we did. There's no kickoff. So we just assume that the Bears won, got uh, received, and have the ball at the thirty. Yeah, it is. Uh, so I guess yeah, uh, little Pinky Gentry must have actually. I suppose if I was smart, there is a way I could find out. Oh yeah, keep up the. Uh, I'll do that too. Have the. Oh, uh... well, I can't. They don't have the. They don't have you know, the, the play uh, by play. As far back as nineteen eighty five, it's too far back. That seems a little ridiculous. I mean, come on, get your shit together. All right. 
Well, as you said, just to set it up, Bears six and zero, Packers three and three. Ditka is in the news for all the wrong reasons. Fans are rowdy. You know, we're on the other side of the Super Bowl, so it's uh, it's all very new and exciting. And uh, here we are, the crew. They're at Soldier Field, old Soldier Field, and uh, it's the Packers who, again, as we've talked about before, this is the fourth time or third time we're going over it fresh, were of no consequence to us as Bears fans. They were just a sort of pest that was in the way. We had bigger fish to fry, but, you know, they would give us plenty of reason to hate them still, nevertheless. Yeah, so the Bears are going uh, The bears are going left to right on your radio dial. And... Uh, <laughs> Are dressed Thanks, in their, their home, their home navies. They didn't wear the awful orange like they did the other day because they didn't have them. No, they didn't. All right, so there's uh, the very first play. It, it didn't it look like the Packers jumped off sides. Well, they they were even uh, even Frank on the call unironically mentions that uh, the Packers are drawn off sides, but instead it's a fumble, it's and the Packers and the Packers end up with the ball and Jay Hilgenberg. Not happy. He takes his helmet off and starts screaming at the ref, which is always. And now we see Lynn Dickey. Yes, Lynn Dickey. Kids. In, in well, I pantheon. thought even as a kid that was this the most hilarious name ever. Yeah, great in the pantheon of great uh, Packer quarterbacks. But Dickey hits off uh, Philip Epps. You'll see there, and uh, just I want to clarify that Philip Epps. We've mentioned Lewis Lips in the past of the Steelers. Yeah, Phillips Epps was no Lewis. He was the basically the Packers' uh, shitty little dime store knockoff, and. Uh, he he provided some moments, um, but yeah, he gets so out then, there. Then on the next play, it's immortal Packer first round draft pick Eddie Lee Ivory running the ball, and I didn't remember that Eddie Lee Ivory was spelled I V E R Y. Or did they just get it wrong on his uniform and nobody gave a shit to fix it? Oh boy, I thought it was I V O R Y, but you might be right. Uh, no, they would have had I spelled it wrong in the notes. I always associated him with Packers futility when I first became a fan because like Brent he was Fullwood like, for fans of 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 our age. Well, I think Eddie Lee was the like the third uh, the third pick in the draft when he was drafted in 1980. I think uh, you know that was when Jim Finks drafted Otis Wilson, or it would have been the same draft. He was out of Georgia Tech. I don't know if he was injured or what. I just know that when the Bears were. You know, at first, still kind of an annual tickle fights with the Packers before the Bears decided to, you know, get good. That Eddie Lee Ivory, to me, was just a, a sort of emblem of uh, of those early 80s Packers failures. Just a laughable bust. I was surprised to see that uh, Eddie Lee was still playing with Green Bay as late as 1985. And as you said, as we see there, you know, gained a few yards on his first uh, appearance. And then... Uh... Then Lynn Dickey. So the Packers have moved because they recovered the fumble inside the 30. And they're yeah, they're the going to score. And Lynn Dickey throws a terrible pass right to Gary Fensick at the goal line. Who was it for? This, I mean, this, this is like, this is Andy Dalton stuff. Fensick is uh, wide open, I should say. You know yeah. what's funny? Uh, I, have to, I have to stop once again to one quick digression, although it does... Uh, relate to the Packers. We talked about uh, the 61 to seven game last year, which I always saw as the Chester Markle revenge game in 1980. Somebody actually posted a, the scoreboard of that uh, the other day on Twitter. And I retweeted it and, and, and got into a conversation. You brought out the fact that in that game, Gary Fensick made an interception and uh, for reasons that at the moment were not clear to you, did not yeah. just turn around and walk. He was into the right by zone. an end zone. It didn't run yes. into it. And, the and, and, and young me was like, that's, there's a touchdown right there. Just go in there. 
And I th- so a little less than five years later, we see Bears Packers at Soldier Field. There's Fensick again, uh, just catching a catching a Packers uh, pass inside the five. So, right. so now the Bears are going to take over three. It, it appears uh, as I watched the uh, I replayed it. It appears he was throwing to his tight end, good old number eighty-two, Paul and Kaufman, mi- and missed Paul Kaufman by oh, eight yards. So good job by. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to see that. Uh, with if you look at any footage of the 84, 85, 86 Bears defense, by the way, oh, there's, there, there's Forrest Greg not looking. He's not. Lamar's not happy. Um, yeah, Forrest Greg, of course. Uh, so then, if the, we could, I was just gonna say the Bears. Then on the first play, they give it to I don't know who this guy is. Some running back, number 34? thirty, number thirty four, and he. Uh, they, yeah. He picks up about oh twenty yards on the first play. Just to get I, out of Peyton trouble. is Peyton at, at this point is thirty one years old. So that's almost probably for today, like a younger audience today would probably be astonished to see he was even still playing. Uh, but obviously you can you can in fact if you play that again you'll see some respect being thrown down by uh, by our friend you know Frank Gifford. Oh well, let's hear from Frank. Yeah. And his highness is out over the 25 to the 27 yard line. Mike Lee takes him out of bounds. And his highness gets the Bears out of the shadow of their own goalpost. That's right. That's right. Attaboy, his highness, Frank. you know, loving it, right? As a fan, like regardless of how you felt about uh, any of like the national guys, I, I think I grew up resenting them because the Bears were never good enough to be on Monday night. But yeah, always good to hear the uh, to see like the rose petals when things are going good. That's respect. Well, good for Frank. Now, were you going to say something about Forrest? Well, yeah, I, I think I've kind of ruminated on this more and more lately. I, I've talked about how, you know, we mentioned it earlier tonight where the Packers weren't even, you know, they weren't even worthy of our attention other than being Nats. And we were, you know, if anyone in the division generally was in the mid 80s, in the Ditka years, it might have been the Vikings. But otherwise, we were trying to do, you know, we we're more concerned with uh, with the Giants and, uh, and the 49ers and the Redskins. And. What's funny about that is that I, I feel like, you know, rivalries between cities like Packers, Bears, they always say, well, that oh, it means more to the fans. It means more to the fans today. And it's true, right? Like fucking, you know, Rogers gets into it, but that's maybe a little part of the stick, but the players generally, you know, they're, they might have like, you know, a 92 year old Ed Obradovich walk into the locker room and maybe get inspired briefly. But, you know, it is those types of things generally are more for the fans, but I will yeah. say in 80, like, being a fan in the eighties and not giving a shit about the Packers, which is the truth. I'm not just throwing shade. Uh, this was a case where at least for the coaches, they definitely, uh, in spite of where the team stood at that year, <laughs> they definitely had respective bees in their yeah, bonnet. They, and, uh, they fucking hated each other. I mean, that was, they weren't faking it either. They, they hated each other and they want everybody stick. to know it. They, it was not stick. So just remember that note that, you know, as we're watching this, we're excited. We're Monday Night Football. We want to see the Bears roll. We just want to get done with the Packers that while that's going on, on the opposing sidelines, there's a little bit of a of a battle of angry wills. If yeah. You will, well, so. you, yeah, you make a really good point. And I think one of the things, um, like, f- former Bears who played for the Bears for a long time are clearly more bothered by – the lopsided Packer rivalry right now than the current Bears are. Like, if you watch that postgame on Comcast, Alex Brown, Lance Briggs, and Olin are pissed at the end of those games. 
And the players are like, eh, you know, they're in the middle of it. And I think part of it is you think, all right, fuck it. We'll get them next time. You still have a next time where the former player doesn't have next times anymore. Plus, yep. a lot of those guys are going to be very transitory. They might be in the rivalry for two or three years where these guys all played at least 10 years in it. Well, Olin went through And then for it the fans, was... we're trapped in it forever. So, of course, we're invested. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. I think th- I think those guys they stay around. They have jobs around here in the media. They become fans and they adopt that sort of, uh, you know, of a mindset. And I will say that Alex Brown came along in O two. Who was the other one besides Olin in Alex Brown? Lance Briggs. Uh, that Briggs came along in O uh, three with Peanut. Olin was there ninety eight. So Olin really felt it because you remember that if there was one period of of a respite in the last twenty five yeah. years, it was the early Lovey years. There was a five year span. So in the middle Lance of all actually, this losing, where the Bears went seven and three against Pat. they helped seven and three, yeah. So they did more than just hold them to they, a standstill. They started actually beating Favre at the end. They, they have not the had very much luck with Aaron Rodgers, but they Correct. they beat Favre, um, and yeah, and couldn't beat Brett Hundley. But you know, it's funny though. It's funny though how how uh, those guys, those modern guys that we've you know have cycled through, the you know Brown and and. Um, and Olin and, and Lance Briggs, like they're just walking in the footsteps of like Hampton before them and, and Obradovich. Well, and I guess another important thing is two of those guys, Olin and Lance, lost an NFC championship to the Packers. That's true. I think Alex was already in New Orleans at the time. I I'm surprised they, I believe, Olin was. Still I believe there. they've referenced that before that he wasn't there for it. Um, <laughs> the bust his balls. Yeah. They also will occasionally mention on the show that. Uh, Olin and Lance would be like, oh, that's why we were on the Bears All-100 team. Just like you, Alex. Oh, wait, that's right. Ouch. You weren't. Ouch. Yeah. Sorry, I like Alex, but yeah. He was a nice player. He just wasn't a great player. By the way, Gifford tells us uh, that that was Peyton's 143rd consecutive start. Um, You know, chew on that for a running back. Hey, Dave Montgomery's up to like three, so... All right, he's well on his way. So now we got, uh, I think, Su- uh, Matt Suey shortly up here. The Bears start to move the ball. Yeah, yeah a little flare out to Matt Suey. That's the- Suey's fighting. Oh, and then, yeah, Suey yeah. up chucks the ball. Back to the Packers. Again, we don't know if this is the Bears' second possession, but uh, they have two turnovers. Yeah. But not to worry. I don't think, no, actually, we will worry because this is, uh, I think, a point where Lynn Dickey enjoys a little bit of success, I believe. Yeah, so the Packers take over just uh, just outside the Bears' 40 after the Suey fumble. And there's James, there's Hall of Famer James Lofton. Right, and future criminal defendant, uh, if if we could. Yeah, uh, just a refer, couple of years away from podcast. that and then being sent off to the Raiders. And then there he is uh, with a touchdown yeah. catch. Dickie to Lofton, here we go. The Packers are going to ruin the Bears' perfect season. Try Is Lofton a Hall of Famer, by the way? I think. He probably, probably fell short. He had some great years with these crappy uh, Packers teams, and then when they acquired John Jefferson, everyone expected the Packers to go off, and Lynn Dickey's numbers certainly went up, but uh, Jefferson was largely a bust. Uh, Lofton's exploits sort of got him rushed out of uh, L.A. I think he was went to Oakland, but then he resurfaced as uh, a secondary target to Andre Reid in Buffalo. James um, Lofton has only been in the NFL Hall of Fame for 18 years. Wow. Inducted in 2003. Better than I thought to even that have been a question. So then uh, this I this always fascinated me. The people that make a bigger deal out of this. Um, so Al Del Greco was kicking for the Packers. He comes out, kicks their point. He, of course, Al Del Greco 
is Jimmy the Greek's kid. <laughs> well, just like you could almost say that actor Benicio del Toro is yeah, the bull's mascot. Be, Americanizes Benny the Bull. Benny the Bull. Be, because it's De- anyone that would take their you know, college Spanish at NIU might know that Del is of, of the, the. Yes, because Vinny Del Negro was Vinny of the Black. Of the Black. So Not Al Del Greco is Al of the Greek. Which, oh, which proves your point. He's actually Jimmy the Greek's yeah, son. Jimmy has the yeah, in his of name. Of the Greek. And That's I would right. think they just can't fit Al Del Greco Snyder. Um, he can't fit it all on the jersey. So it's just one with Del Greco. <laughs> Kind of like uh, Ocho Cinco. They just went with Del Greco on the back. I got it. You know, and, and of course, his dad was still alive. Uh, you know, yeah. giving his prognostications. Yeah, hadn't, uh, hadn't yet weighed in on um, the uh, traits um, of African American athletes, uh, the, the breeding habits, and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he, uh, he's still enjoying a actual uh, a career that he's being paid for. Good job, Jimmy. Yeah. So that yeah. So first quarter, the Bears are down seven to nothing, insurmountable seven point lead, like we would see well, we're, now. You, know, you joke, of course. We're just like, you know, again, we don't fear the Packers, so we're just like, all right, let's get it on with. Because yeah, so like a, this is a se- this is a season in which in the first game of the year, the the Bears defense gave up twenty eight points in the first half to the Buccaneers before yeah. they decided to get serious. They fell behind the Vikings uh, in the aforementioned Thursday night McMahon game. Um, you know, they had all the tools to just on offense, finally, where the defense could play cat and mouse, and then eventually they would push oh, through. Yeah, but those, and I think that was, I really do feel that was the feeling at the time, too. We those worried. tools are about to be uh, uh, shown off. If only the Bears could hold on to the ball, because they've turned it over twice already. Bears had the ball back at their, uh, at their own 30, and they uh, hand off to Walter, who's ripping off. Uh, 12 yards every time he touches the ball. Seems like it might Seems be smart like to just keep giving it to him. But now we're going to pass. Another pass o- over the middle. That uh, bounces off of Pate. Pate. Walter catches it twice. Sorry, Walter. Only counts as one catch. And they are immediately <laughs> at the Packer 45. You are still the Bears' uh, all-time leading receiver in receptions. So, or yes, all-time leading receptions leader. So uh, you didn't need that extra Walter one. again inside down to the 35. Bears are moving the ball, and then McMahon there's Silky with, D. McMahon with a really nice slant to uh, Dennis McKinnon. He gets down to the eight, and then he fumbles. What the fuck is going on? Even though, uh, yeah, stop for Dennis McKinnon, of course, uh, was I, I guess Willie Galt, Willie Galt caught, caught quite a few touchdowns. I don't know who would be, be considered the primary receiver, whether it's Galt or McKinnon. McKinnon was the one that was more of a wee, of a real football player, re, a yeah. real wide receiver. He blocked. He uh, he made you know went over the middle and stuff like Galt was a great thing to have. And so I think in, in some cases I kind of uh, uh, I'm kind of a little unfair to Galt because he, he had a little bit of a pretty boy rep at the time in the context of football. He wanted to be an actor. But he did actually score quite a few touchdowns. I mean, he was clutch. He caught one in the Super Bowl. So, you know, um, but I think it's fair to say that McKinnon was really, you know, really yeah. their, their 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 guy. And Dennis McKinnon ran routes and Willie ran sprints, basically. Yeah, he was a track star. I believe it. an Olympian was Willie. Was that possible? And no, it wouldn't have been. He would have been pro in 84. But he was definitely, he definitely ran track at Tennessee. I'm almost positive. I think Willie was supposed to be on the 1980 relay team that the jimmy carter uh yep. led us in a boycott um 
That could be because he would have been at that age because he was drafted in 83. So, yeah, 19, 20-year-old is probably. Yes. Will he qualify for the 80 Olympics and would have been at the 80 Summer Olympics in Moscow had the United States not boycotted? Um, he received, he was one of 461 American athletes to receive a congressional gold medal. <laughs> There's a said. consolation. Now, this is interesting. So like if you Google, so I Googled um, Willie Galt 1980 Olympics and you get, uh, you know, get the people also ask, did Willie go to the Olympics? Then the next question is Willie Galt crippled? <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Why? Um... No, I think Willie's doing just it's, fine. Apparently, it's because he has he helped train a, a Blake Leaper, a Paralympic athlete. He was born without feet. Willie's doing nice. That's why he's a leap. Yeah, Willie's doing nice stuff. And Google is like, is Willie Gall crippled? Like, no. And he right. says crippled. <laughs> Jeez, it's 2021. Google. Google's going to get canceled. Handicapped? Is he injured? Is he yeah, physically compromised? Come on. Folks. All right, so the Bears had, had driven it down to the uh, – Just, just convinced – yeah, they're almost in the red zone. They just made the third turnover of the game. So now it is getting all frustrating. So Come now on. the Packers have the ball again. Still the first quarter. The Packers have it at their own 15. Not to worry. You would think the vaunted Bear defense would uh, get their shit together. And they do on the very first play. Uh, Lynn Dickey finds a wide open Mike Richardson. The problem for <laughs> no, Lynn is no. Mike Richardson plays for the Bears. That's two consecutive. He's just hitting guys right in the numbers. You got yeah. to admire the accuracy. Uh, by the way, at, at the end of that play, uh, Dickey was bitching about uh, Richard Dent being a little mean to him. I oh, just, uh, yeah, you know. Bears come out throwing. They hit uh, McKinnon for uh, like eight yards and then Willie for a first down. There's Willie. I knew he was getting this game. Ditka and McMahon both given the gum a workout. Oh, everybody liked gum back in the eighties. Yeah, Ditka, Ditka. By the way, fashion uh, check. He's got the uh, the sleeveless sweater vest under over the uh, white collared shirt, looking pretty pretty sharp. One of his many looks. He had quite a few. Walter, so it's second quarter. Yeah, Walter's second quarter. Twelve, now. and now we got to change ends because it's the quarter, and they're gonna gonna try Suey again. And it's a good decision because he uh, breaks a couple of tackles and he's down to the two. Yeah, and gets now... the first down. Gets the first down down. So let's stop. Let's just real quick because if you're watching this video and not the game, there's no buildup to this. But as Andy referenced in the beginning, of course, there's a reason he talked about Guy McIntyre and the elephant offense uh, coming in. There was discussion during the week. Uh, I guess reporters saw, you know, Perry. Well, they saw because they had given him the ball at the end of the San Francisco game the week before. Uh, and after Ditka sobered up and they were at practice, I think reporters may have seen some stuff. They didn't know, and Ditka was being coy. Also factor in what we just discussed earlier in this podcast about uh, Ditka and his nemesis on the opposing sideline. Again, you know, we I, ha- I have no real reason to, like, hate the Packers because they're so uh, irrelevant that they, they're not really worthy of that much consideration. But when you, if you watch the 17 minute, 52 second video after Suey gets tackled to the, to the two, there's no buildup, but you see a real wide body lined up at fullback. Yeah. Who's the new guy playing fullback? Uh, he had to go talk to the ref first because William, the refrigerator Perry had to check in the rookie, the 300 pounder 
which I'll just add, I looked it up. I couldn't find an exact number. There's no way to sort this information in football reference. I remember hearing something about the unusualness of a, I know that's not a word, but work with me here, of 300-pound players in 1985. I'm going to guess that Fridge is one of about 15 because I do know that there was only one NFL player in the 1970s that was 300 pounds. I think he played for the Chargers, forget his name. And in 1980, there were three, but in 1990, there were 94. So the 80s represented a change. But Pierre, I did just anecdotally, I remember, I'm sure he was the first 300 pounder in Bears history. It was still, you know, it's not surprising to, to, to know if you consider the other factors that I just mentioned. But so how, uh, well, how much did Noah Jackson weigh then? He was not 300 pounds. He was a yeah. fat bastard, right. but he was not 300 pounds. You could call him a fat slob. So that was well, because most guys that were three, right, those guys that were 300, and I think Buddy Ryan probably called Fridge a fat slob, but that's not correct because uh, he was a little bit of a uh, mold breaker, I would say, because he was athletic. He was young, and if he didn't lose weight, it was not going to last that long. Um, but yeah, he was a big guy, but he was a little bit of a freak cause he was athletic and, you know, frankly, what he's doing in the background in the backfield, I don't think any of the other 300 pounders, well, maybe they could, but Fridge was young. He was just a kid. He's like, what? 21, 22. Yeah. Fridge could jump, you know, like at those, those high tables that you had in yeah. science class, like three, three and a half, four feet. He could just off the jump ground. from the ground right on top. Just keep jumping yeah. up and down off those. I'm sure the table enjoyed that. Well, no, the table, yeah, well-built table. Must have been a real Amish that built that. I mean, I could never do that in my life. (laughs) So the fridge is in the backfield. Let's see what Frank has to say about that. Matt Suey. Oh, First and goal to two. Fans are going nuts. First and goal to go. Did you hear the crunch? Listen to the crunch. It into the end zone. He gets the first down at the two-yard line. This is this is George Cumbie. First and goal to go. Oh my God! And this crowd loves oh. it. They've been writing about this. Oh. They stuck him in the backfield a week ago against the 49ers. Many thought out of spite for Bill Walsh's use of Guy McIntyre in the NFL Championship game, <laughs> NFC Championship game a year ago when they used Guy McIntyre hey, in the backfield. Up. But look at him. Look 350 at pounds leading Walter Payton. He hit George Crumby, number 52, in the watching. Oh, <laughs> it took him right out of the stadium. Thanks, <laughs> OJ's analysis was literally, he takes out George Crumby. Look at him. <laughs> Crumby. That was even better. Takes out George Crumby. <laughs> All right, James. Crumby. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't realize on that. you for, Yeah, you do. When he hits Crumby, you not only hear, either. you hear one of the announcers, probably Joe, go, oof. But you literally, you can, you can like, hear the air leave George Cumbie's body. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can. I mean, we have built this up over the years into something that like Fridge just destroyed this guy. But he did. He did. But, I don't remember. Like, like I remember like, he, he was born into legend. But then after time, you kind of feel like, well, that gets overblown. When I watched it, I was like, holy shit. I played it over and over just like we did. Because he you could just see in here, he got crunched. His helmet, man. It's a 300-pound man just takes him out. <laughs> just... Yeah. So the yeah. ABC shows well, the slow motion replay of it. It's mostly on Walter. And there you can just see Fridge just... Removing George Cumbie from your TV yeah. screen. 
I don't remember the crunch until I re-listened to this. So it actually sort of grew. It actually builds the legend, believe it or not. So, so, uh, so, uh, so Kevin uh, Butler makes the extra is, point, which is in in that point in Bear history was not a sure thing. We were coming off the Bob Thomas years, where Bob could miss multiple extra points but, in a Butler, single game. Butler, in fact, would go. Per- Butler, in fact, would go perfect. I want to say it was 44 or 44 in his rookie year of 85. I only just want to finish that at this point now. And what's going on in real time is that a legend is being born in William the Refrigerator Perry. Not born yet. We'll get to that. But there's there's something brewing. And, of course, now the game's tied. And uh, so we're a little bit more relaxed and the crew's having fun. And all of a sudden we see the Packers are what? Uh, inside their own five? What I remember from that was that there was a major screw-up on the kickoff where the ball kind of laid on the ground for a while with all the Packers looking at it. Like, should we pick that up? And then one of them finally did. And so uh, not only is the, they've lost the momentum, and then the soldier field is enraptured with the refrigerator mania, but now they have the ball uh, at their own two-yard yeah. line. And so you know this is immediately after because I wasn't sure the way that it was spliced. If yeah. Maybe I okay, I remember so. that th- I remember that that happened. Gotcha. So might as well come out slinging. You well, know, you know, you got Lynn Dickey. Uh, you, you might as well use him. No, I guess he doesn't on the first one. But... Good old number thirty-three, whoever that. Yeah, uh, was. I think it was. Uh, yeah, it wasn't Eddie Lee. It was somebody named Clark or or whatever. <laughs> there, Bears linebacker really starting to gel. Wilbur's playing all the time in there. Oh, it, Lynn Dickey looks like he's hurt. Yeah, he's more like he's more like Lynn Hippie at this point. He can barely walk. So, yeah, so in comes Badger legend Randy Wright. <laughs> yes, the Wisconsin native running for his life and his very first play. <laughs> and then just for good measure, Tyrone Keys just gives him a good shove uh, as he's going out of bounds. May have drawn a penalty today. Uh, I don't know. Um, and then the next thing that we see is some Steve Kazor, special teams coach Steve Kazor, razzle-dazzle. Kazor, of course, famously would uh, attempt this play again in the Super Bowl and subsequently end Leslie Frazier's career. But that's a story for another day. Right. Uh, so at that this was, point, though. It was a... Who was the actual punt returner? It was uh, uh, Ken Taylor. Oh, I had Ken to look Taylor. it up for a second. Do you good remember old, Ken Taylor? Good so, old number, good I think old number thirty-one. Thirty-one. Yeah, there he is. I, th- I think he got hurt because wasn't Keith Ortego the punt yes. returner in the Super Bowl? Yeah, they had to find. They had to go out and find the. The Bears were on a quest for the best white punt returner available, and they started with Ken Taylor, and then had to go to. Well, Keith Ken Taylor Ortego. was very much not white, by the way. Oh, I thought um, he was. <laughs> I don't oh. think so. Well, maybe I remember. Was, maybe it was blatant I, I, racism that cost him his job. I, I have a, Ken, if you're listening, <laughs> call me. We're going to sue the Bears. I have a bit of a recollection of Ken Taylor, and I could have told you he was yeah. 31. I thought he was Jim Taylor's I, he, brother. He would have, No, he was not. Oh. Not Packer legend Jim Taylor, uh, who around this time was probably the fifth all-time leading rusher and who today is probably 50th. But, uh, yeah, so Pinky takes the reverse on a punt return that Taylor fields, what, around their own 45? Yeah. And, th- and there's our guy, Dennis Gentry, who we would learn would still be playing for the Bears six years later. I think he's um, still playing for him now. He might be. He was actually drafted as a running back, right? But then they converted him to a white. I think he's still a he, running back here. He played. The, this is how archaic the Bear offense was for a long time. He was the wing back. Was? 
A wing back. The yeah. wing back. That makes sense. That's an old. That makes... That's a. Uh, that's an old wing T position, and that's what they used to list him as was the wing back. Basically <laughs> meant that there would be occasions where they would go with a, a third running back, or they might have Peyton as as the lone running back and have have Pinky kind of off to the side, but not ready, not in a blocking position. It's kind of like one of those fantasy extra spots you got where it's either a wide receiver or a tight end or a running back. So it's a really nice sequence for the Packers. They go from the fridge planning their linebacker uh, eight feet deep in the end zone mm-hmm. to then starting a drive at the two to then punting, and now the Bears have the ball on their 11. So a nice little sequence here for Green Bay. Still a tie game, though, at this point in the second quarter. So then Peyton throws literally a backward pass M- to McMahon. Suey. Or, uh, sorry, yeah. Uh, McMahon throws, it wasn't a pitch. He threw it, yeah, like, yeah. overhand, but it clearly, uh, yeah, had Suey wanted to, he, well, it's fumble. Um, he could have th- passed again. Right, Suey could have passed again. Yeah. Maybe he was setting something up later. Or, or passed for the first time because McMahon's was not well, technically And apparently the Bears cheated because uh, somebody got called for holding. Probably Tom Thayer, who was really, uh, really uh, checking his groin at the end of the play. I wonder, do we know if Thayer was already in the starting lineup? Because Becker, I believe, well, he was, was just, the starter. Good old number 57 was right there on the... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You got it. You got it. And then, you know, since uh, everyone else has turned the ball over, like, why not uh, yeah. Why not the greatest running back so, in NFL Nice history? pass to Peyton. He catches it about the 15, he gets to the 12, and then he just hands the ball to the Packers. Fourth turnover. And they're all fumbles, right? McMahon yeah, fumbled the, a snap. Right. Uh, Suey fumbled. Yeah, the or, Packers are handling the interceptions. I'm the Bears sorry. are in charge of the fumble. But again, so now Green Bay gets the ball back at uh, their at their work. ten, and so, Lynn Dickey, Lynn's back. So basically, I believe this is the sequence. Go ahead and, and describe what happens here, and then I'm going to break down the sequence. Lynn goes back. Pass. Uh, throws at least to he was tight end, and Wilbur Marshall says, "Ah, oh, thank you. I'll just take the ball from you." At least Wilbur wasn't wide open. Now the bear. So basically, the Bears had turned the ball over four times, uh, and on the uh, the Packers did score a touchdown on one of those turnovers. But the Packers turned the ball back over on the other three. So it would be interesting turnovers. to look back and see how many. So Dickey threw interceptions on back to back passes. Then he we played think, a right? series, but he oh, got no. hurt. Yes. Then he one throws play. one on the first. I mean, we saw Joe yeah. Burrow throw picks on three consecutive uh, passes against the Bears. I don't, I don't think Lynn pulled it off, but he threw three in pretty short order. You'd have to go to the full three-hour game, I guess, to see if that really is how. Yeah, because they down. may have edited out an incompletion or two in between them. We just know that at this point, uh, and this was not an unusual scene again between the years of '84 and '86, in particular, where. You know, a quarterback would be in the game, out of the game, back in the game, throwing some interceptions, limping off the field. Yeah, I mean, the uh, the Bears basically required the producer of the game to do bullpen shots, like it was a baseball game. They had to constantly be looking to see if the backup quarterback was warming up because they were busy throttling like, Ooh, whoever was that's in the game. a hit. Yeah. Is his shoulder going to get unseparated the next minute? Just to be safe, there's uh, yeah, there's Randy Wright warming up. And that was actually one of the one of the funny running bits on the Monday Night game where the Patriots only threw three passes because of the wind in Buffalo. Was uh, Peyton and Eli making fun of uh, Mac Jones for constantly warming up on the sidelines? And like, what are you warming up for? You're not gonna, you're never gonna throw a pass. You're just trying to. Are you literally just trying to stay warm? Is that why you're playing catch? 
So the Bears have the ball on the uh, Packer 19. McMahon with an unnecessary sidearm throw to Peyton just because it looked cool, I guess. Right. Walter's Walter out at about the 11. Yeah. And they just hand it to Walter, and he takes it right down to the uh, yeah. to the goal line where the Bears are going to have first and goal inside the one. Very similar to, to the last drive where Suey gets a first down, which Peyton did on this play to get a first and goal, and then almost score, and thankfully does not. Uh, thankfully pulls up – at a point in the field where you can bring in a particular goal line offense. So for now we got, yes, they bring this package back in and uh, somewhere George Cumbie is yelling at the ref. I think he scored before you start. I just want to point out. I love how, of course, uh, the more things change, the more they stay the same. You see Peyton. I know the fans are excited. I would be too. I was not at this game. Uh, but they're very excited. But the Bears are trying to score, and the fans are making noise, and Peyton has yeah. to do the old, uh, hey, pipe down. We're on offense. Keep, keep it down they didn't bit. have the uh, quiet offense at work they signs to put up at the time. So fans didn't know. And even though he falls close to the goal line, three receptions, 31 yards, and Perry is in the offensive backfield for the Bears. He'll be the lead blocker. Oh, yeah, Frank. <laughs> Touchdown! Uh, William Perry spikes the football. <laughs> and this crowd loves it. They've been reading about this all week long. <laughs> Sorry, I, did, I didn't mean to talk over Frank on the actual touchdown call. I just thought it was funny that yep. right the moment that McMahon is handing off the ball, the ball to Perry, he identifies the fridge as the blocking back. Well, that's and, and that's all we expected, though. We nobody yeah. actually expected uh, him to get the ball. That's that. So the second touchdown is the is the actual chef's kiss of the whole thing because holy shit, he actually scored. We thought he was just this huge guy that was putting dents in poor George Cumbie's face mask. But see, that's why the GIF was such an influence on a young Chip Carey. It was just say what you think is going to happen instead of waiting a half second and telling us what's actually happening. Heaven it's for fun. Much more fun to just be completely wrong by predicting. So a couple of things about that. Number one, if uh, I've seen the replay of that a million times, but one of the things that always stands out to me is people talk about the uh, speaking of the uh, uh, Patriots, but now the Bucks, uh, the famous Gronk spike where Rob Gronkowski spikes the ball as hard as he possibly can. William Perry clearly invented it on that touchdown. That ball <laughs> was all... there. I don't know how there was any air left in the ball after he spiked it. And then the thing that everybody remembers, probably because it's been immortalized in NFL films, he's heading to the sidelines, and him and Walter do a literal high five. Not just like they both jump as high as they can, and it's just really impressive to see how high a 300-pound William the Refrigerator Perry could jump. Yep. Um, so yeah, all that in one little humiliating moment for the Packers is great. Which you know, and then let's bring back a reminder of, of Ditka calling the plays, looking across the field to Forrest Gregg, and Forrest Gregg, of course, his blood is boiling. <laughs> so I can't imagine what just, halftime just was like the for the end. Packers. <laughs> and now the so that's the go-ahead touchdown so far. Fridge scores it. And yeah, you're right. He puts all 315 pounds or whatever into that spike. And uh, yeah, it's uh, and and so I said earlier, a legend was being born. Now a legend is born at this moment as we're in real time, as you're watching this game on uh, October 21st, 1985, the agent for William Perry, his phone is already ringing. If you're William Perry's agent, you are immediately 
coming up Wait, with a plan as to no, how you're going to defraud William of all the money that's about no, to come in. No cell phones. <laughs> that's true. But I'm saying, whoever is relaying information, um, like in 1985, whatever, people are, re- are reaching out. Basically. Let's just leave it at that. This content, people, their attempts are being made at reaching William Perry's uh, agent. And the game's still going on. So now, uh, because this is an edited thing, we have no idea what happens on this on the next Packer possession because immediately afterwards the Bears have the ball on their own 12-yard line. So uh, I don't know what happened. Still the second quarter because they're going right yeah, to left on your 14-7 Bears. And uh, McMahon rolls out, finds a wide-open Emery Moorhead, and so now the Bears are about at the 37. I'm glad we could get Emery, good old number 87 name-checked. Starting tight end on the 85 Bears. I, li- I like this next play, though, where McMahon rolls out and gets a first down and somehow doesn't get decapitated. Yep. Which was a few times. A, and then, I don't know, do you know who this is? He jumps into the arms of a very large man in a Bears jacket. I don't know if it was oh, an inactive current player or a, a former Bear. He's enormous. Do, do you he suppose Al Harris was allowed to hang out on the sidelines even though he was holding out? I'm guessing probably, probably not. not. I don't know who that is. Maybe it's Richard Roundtree. <laughs> it looks it's like him. It's just a random yeah, actor in a bear coat on the sidelines. Could be. Bears are becoming quite the sensation. Yeah. Bears give it to Walter. They cross the 50. Actually, they're down to like the 42 now. Mark Bortz is blatantly hitting dudes after the play is over, which is always fun. Pink, they put Pinky in the backfield, and he gets down to the 36. McMahon oh, out of the shot. Very bare offense. It's amazing. Yeah, they're moving wide, the ball. Wide open Dennis McKinnon down to the 26. O- over the middle, of course. Yeah, Willie didn't. Willie wouldn't go there, so Dennis had lots of room. Right. His Man stretch, passing stretch, again. Stretch. Little check down to Suey. Makes a couple of dudes miss. And they're inside the 20 now. Actually, they're probably the closer than that. They might be like the 12. I'd say they got control of the game here. Good-looking Bear fans. Oh, yeah, they're inside the 10. Quick quick hitter to Suey up the middle. Nice, so, nice little play I, there. I just want to take a quick minute to just ponder the, the whole idea of fate and destiny and how funny it was that on these three drives in which the Bears scored, that they almost scored on a previous play and instead ended up with a first and goal, like inside the inside three. Inside the one. Three. Yeah. Well, in this well these one, last two. The, they're the, all they, – they had a chance to bring in the goal line offense on first down because they're at the three. Yeah. And, like, so – it's just a funny thing how, how how you know the planets align, the stars align, whatever. How you know here's here's Ditka who this germ of a of a of a sort of a roasting, this germ of a ball busting idea that Bill Walsh just gets into Ditka's you know hair, and then Ditka plays around with it, and it blows up into something that only the opportunity, the moment really afforded. Like he didn't design. I'm sure he wanted to well, fuck Forrest Gray. He or, you know. Give it, give it to Forrest. He hated, he hated his nemesis from the Packers for whatever reason. Uh, they were both, re, you know, red asses independently. But did get no control over the fact that the Bears would three times get a first and goal, like inside. The, like what? Like how many NFL games have only uh, one team scores three touchdowns and they were yeah. all on drives that that had a first and goal at the three? I'm guessing. Yeah, it's the many. the best laid plans of Mike's and men. It, it worked out. It just makes. Ditka had this thing drawn up. He probably probably made poor Ed Hughes like draw up like 
eight different plays, and Ed is like, what are the fucking odds we're going to even get down there once to run one play? Right. And then, right. you know, they get three cracks at it in the second quarter. <laughs> it's, it's just, I mean, you needed that sort of, you know, uh, those events to happen for everything else to, to, to occur. It's just funny to me. And of course. So yeah, so first and goal, and uh, the Bear fans go crazy again. I'm surprised the Matt Nagy Bears would have had to have called timeout because they wouldn't have been able I'm to sure. do anything. They know better now. Boom! Boom! Oh, Perry. He cleaned out everything. Fans love it. They lead the Packers 21 to 7 at the end of the half. <laughs> it was edited to feel like they scored with no time left in the half. <laughs> the last play of halftime. <laughs> they didn't. Uh, that's just the way it was. Edited. Yeah, it wasn't as pronounced of an audible, uh, but it was still there. Fridge crunched him again and just paved him. Yeah, I mean, there's, it's one thing to have a big dude back there, but he was uh, he was legitimately good at this. Like, I mean, he was actually, like, sometimes they just put a big guy in there, like, just run into somebody. And that helps. But, uh, you know, Fridge was literally just moving people three and four yards backwards by hitting. As we've identified, he's a 21- or 22-year-old athlete who, you know, he's overweight, but he's huge. I mean, but not to his detriment, really, as far as what he had to do there. He could move. And... Uh, I mean, just the path that he cleared. That's the, that's the kind of like hole that like coaches dream of when they're drawing up plays. So the best thing about this edited version of the game is they they did leave in the entire, even though it's only eighteen minutes, left in the entire halftime show, which is uh, Tom Dreesen and up with people, and you get to see it all. Tom he tells jokes, he sings. It's great. Actually, none of that's in there. But Terrific. Wouldn't that have been great if it was? <laughs> just oh, I regretted not being there. Um, yeah, so 21-7 at the half. Uh, given the um, performance of the Packer offense since they're early, they had the one decent drive. Uh, this, if if you're wondering if it ever felt to Packer fans the way it feels to Bear fans, yeah, this was that era. The game's over. And this is like the moment, too, because Lynn Dick, he's, already, he's done. Yeah. Whether he's Lynn hurt went home or at disinterested. Halftime. He said, fuck yeah. it, I'm out of here. And so Randy Wright uh, gets to take over for a little while. And uh, the Packers have the ball at the 20 to start the third quarter. Yeah, and Randy actually, uh, well, n- not on the first play, because you know, Eddie Lee still got a few more carries before the Eddie's, end of his career. Otis Wilson has to open. dump Eddie Lee for a two-yard loss yeah, but, on the first play. But yeah, but then he, he hits Paul Kaufman for a big game. Who missed that assignment? Singletary. Nice job, Mike. Uh, come on, Samurai. Yeah. No wonder Buddy just called him Fat Boy for the whole first year. And then basically the same play again. And whoever 33 is gets away from Fensick uh, and Dave Dorsen has to clean it up. That would be Jesse Clark. Jesse Clark, uh, which, of, of course, is Ken, uh, current Packer uh, Ken Clark's dad, which is not true. Gotcha. So then the, uh, Al the Greek comes in to kick a field goal. Jimmy's kid. And it's a long – got to look at this. It's a long field goal. Yeah, by 1985 Seems standards, kind it looks of long. Desperate. I'm not sure where the ball is. But they're not scoring the Bears' defense – no, it's hard to so find. let's so, see there. That, that would be the 45, 40, 35, 30. It's a 48 yard attempt. I wouldn't yeah. guess. Well, it's not that bad. Yeah, but for the eighties, that's a long field goal attempt. Uh, it's a 21 to seven game and there are no two point conversions kids. So it's, you know, it's a two score game. And then, um, 
So two score game either way, but he tries it and Tyrone I Keys believe it was Ty. Look how high Tyrone Keys is. Yeah, uh, he's happy also six six to begin with, I think. Happy to see Mike Hartenstein in there, by the way. Uh, poor good old Mike Hartenstein had been around a while. He eventually lose his job when Buddy Ryan had to face reality oh, and actually yeah. use Fridge Perry on defense. So now, of course, we, have, we have the advantage of having this pause and looking at it live. But if you look at who the Bears had on the line to block the field, they weren't messing around. Wilbur Marshall, yes. Mike Singletary, Richard yep. Dent, Mark Bortz, Tyrone Keys, Mike Hartenstein, and do you know who good old number 52 was? Would that be Cliff Thrift? Cliff Thrift. Where is Brian Cabral? That's all they needed. Yes. Nice. All they needed was Good Brian call. Cabral to have the to right. have all their elite players in and, the game. And before Brian Cabral, it was Dan Neal, who was the center before Jay Hilgenberg. So. And essentially, and looks actually, like, well, Cliff almost recovered, but then Richard Dent picks it up. Yeah. And now people talk about carrying the ball like a loaf of bread. He's, yeah. he's I don't even know what this is like. He's literally just holding it by the point and yeah. running with it. And I, do we know what happened? Because I, even though the Bears I, blocked the field goal. They did not score. They did not have a drive. Well, no, it had to have know. been. We, it must have just been a lost possession. Because now the Packers had the ball at their own 30. Okay. So it okay. must have just been yep. that the Bears had to punt. So now Randy Wright yeah. is back in action. And finding the great James Lofton. There's one. Keep him out of a stairwell with a less, strange less woman. Correct. And then this one's kind of funny because the next one, he makes a one-handed catch and somehow avoids getting massacred by Fensick. Yeah, he's Gary, pretty cocky about it. He yeah, on. Gary's not Fensick's happy pissed. Yeah, he's pissed. Gary lives for that shit. <laughs> right. So now they got a third and ten uh, in midfield. And, of course, Wright gets dropped. Yeah, he fumbles it away. It's the, uh, Frank tells us, actually, it's the first sack of the night. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, let's, uh, let's, yeah. let's listen to this one. Let's see what Frank uh, offers up there when you unmute it. He, uh, down and ten. Dan Hampton. Ball is loose. And the Bears get it. First sack of the night. First sack of the night. And then the same thing happens uh, on the next play against the Bears. The Packers get their first sack on McMahon. How dare you? In about the next play or two, we've got a great fuck you, Forrest Greg moment coming up, okay? Because we're now, what, we're in the third quarter. I think we've established that even though we don't have the score bug, yep. which kids today have been spoiled uh, by having their entire lives. You have no idea, kids, uh, what it was like watching football in 1985. But the Bears are up two touchdowns during the third quarter. And... You know, they're up two touchdowns. I don't know. I mean, yeah, they're at midfield. Yeah, so after the sack, even with the nice little check down to Peyton that got, I don't know, 10 or 12 yards, it's not a first down. So the great, uh, probably I think the the most talented musician, certainly in the Super Bowl shuffle. Maury, yeah. Maury Buford. He had, he had that man perm who looked like David Sanborn. He's in or, a punt. Sorry, Kenny, Kenny um, he, um, all right, I got a question about this stat. Because I don't know what it means. I think I know what it means. He's punted 25 times. It's been returned nine times. 36% is the lowest in the NFC. Does that mean Maury is limiting teams to the lowest? Basically, he's he's pinning them. You're not returning Maury Buford punts. Is that what that stat means? So returns, 
would be the lowest, meaning that what? That like it's not so it's not a touchback. That's what I'm. I guess that means by. like when Maury punts it, you don't return. Maury's either kicking it out of bounds or he's kicking it over your head or he's. And that whatever. is not nine over twenty-five. It is thirty-six percent. So sixteen punts weird, are not. It's not a sixteen. Thing well, to six, talk about sixteen about. punts are not returned. So are they saying they could all be touchbacks? I'm thinking that's yeah. well, unless they, that yeah, seems the more relevant stat is like inside the twenty, not how many correct. percent. Yeah, they were still that's working weird, out the kinks yeah, just in the way they did delivered statistics stat. in 1985. Um, so, but anyway, like I said, great fuck you, Forrest Greg moment coming up right here. Well, we saw him talking on the sidelines. He called great Frank. move by Moorhead. <laughs> that's the worst <laughs> call. Okay, so now for those of you listening to the actual call, you have no idea what just happened. Uh, Frank was in stunned silence, apparently. He was was like Ron Santo. So the Bears uh, ran a fake punt. Maury took the snap and then threw out to Emery Moorhead in the flat. And Emery had to make like three moves and make two dudes miss. (laughs) And if you look at this, I don't think he got the first down. He He got a very generous spot. Just to get that close, every had to make some moves just to basically to save face for Mike Ditka. Now, trying here's to the thing. Though, if you look at the pass, if you're following at home, uh, kids, that's a very Andy Dalton pass because the yeah. nose of the ball is straight down as it's getting to Emery. It's dying. It barely makes to him. But this is the punter. You expect it from the punter. <laughs> right, right. And he's uh, right at the marker, and it looks like he gets pushed he, back. He, he, he but the ref just short. the ref's like, ah, he, the ref is more concerned whether he's out of bounds or not. He's like, oh no, keep winding the clock. I'm fine. He's just gonna find the ball and move it wherever it needs to be. <laughs> Stephon Humphrey it. says that's ah, a first down. So I mean, if Stephon says so, that's then, right. Uh, the, all the we got all the greats in this shot. Yes, Suey is on the punt team for some reason. Uh, good old number fifty-one, Dick Butkus. Oh, oh, sorry, Jim Morrissey, who also has that is in the game. Retired. Uh, <laughs> Current Washington football team coach, Ron Rivera. That's right, Chico. Former uh, Michigan uh, All-American, Stephon Humphreys, backup That's a offensive good lineman. Yeah, you, you recognize Stephon Humphreys without any help. Oh, I got, the black and, I, got the, I got the black and blue poster. He, yeah, he and Tom Andrews. I got an autograph. I got, I, got, I got them all autographed. You got Tom Andrews' autograph, I do. too? I do. Number 60? Wow. I got Kurt Becker. I got Tom Andrews, Stephon well, Humphreys. You got to get the original six. I, I, I include Becker as and part looks of like, that. It looks like Hilgenberg, who I think was the long snapper. The Bears weren't going to employ an actual. They it's like, no, you're the center. You should be able to snap the ball in the air, too. That's right. Although somebody should probably tell Sam Mustafa that's part of the job. True. But anyway, so they give the Bears the first down. So the Bears keep the ball, and now they're just going to run a sweep to Walter. Right, and that, this is around the time that Giffen forms us that Dickey is out of the game. He, all he says is pulled muscle. He didn't say where. Didn't say anything. Just he's out of the game. By the way, yeah, they show us too that Walter. We haven't seen too much of Walter in this game, but I think is that where they showed him uh, fifteen rushes, hundred yards, or they show that. Uh, yeah, I think it's coming up here. Yeah, another run. So the average is almost none... seven yards. There it is. Fifteen rushes, hundred yeah. yards, almost seven yards a carry, and two touchdowns. Not a bad day for Walter. His fantasy yeah. owners were very happy if that was the thing. And then, of course, there's a lovely play where the Bears uh, don't block the nose guard, and uh, McMahon is sacked as he's taking the snap. Always fun. But of course, the reason that that happened, the Packers cheated. They encroached. Yep. Uh, looks like McMahon goes the wrong way on the handoff and gets Walter lit up in the backfield. Things are really moving nicely for the Bears right now. 
Yeah, we don't know uh, where we're at in the game, but we, at some point we see the Bears are somehow in the Packers' end. It must yeah, be now suddenly quarter. the Bears are at the 20. Yeah. And there's Suey on a sweep. Not only did the Bears use a fullback, they were still sweeping him. Suey was well, a, he, Suey so, was a so good he, player. He, you know, he really was. And, he, you know, he obviously afforded himself well in this game. What's funny, though, is that Suey catches another pass, gets on the four. I forgot. So we have to stop this for a minute because, like, in, you know, it's one of those things – I always remember the three plays, the, 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 the lead blocker and then scoring and then being the lead blocker again. That's what, you know, made every flip the whole script. Fridge was an overnight sensation. I had completely forgotten that the bears did in fact get a first and goal yep. at the, this time at the four. And unfortunately you'd have to go to the uh, extended version of this game, which does exist as, as you said, Andy, but when the next thing we see after Suey gets the ball inside the five is that this is actually a fourth down play. But Fridge is out there. So we don't know if Fridge is out there on first, second, third down, if they just brought him in here. But he actually did uh, get into the backfield on a fourth uh, series. And into the Super Bowl. Perry will be the lead blocker or will he be the ball carrier? Yeah, you know, no, Play Frank. Man. In trouble. But he almost gets it to Moorhead. All right, so what's, what's the strategy here? Fourth and one, you're up two touchdowns. Don't you just kick the field goal so that you go up no. three scores? Not if your name is Michael right. Keller. Not if you're Dick trying guy. to rub it into Forrest Gregg. <laughs> it's another it's another fuck you Forrest Gregg moment is what this is. Is that he's gonna bring out his fat freaking novelty to humiliate him again. This time I'm gonna throw the ball and then let's just set the stage. Uh we're not talking about the Packers again after tonight, but the Bears and Packers would play again in two weeks in Green Bay. And Ditka, of course, we talked about it last year. Uh and I'm, I will talk about it till the day I draw my last but Ditka did up the ante when these two teams met just a few weeks later in Green Bay. And actually, not only did he throw a ball with Fridge in the backfield, of course, but he threw the fucking ball to Fridge, as mo- many of us know. But this The whole play didn't make sense. It was fourth and one at the four. And the Bears line everybody up within, like, you know, three yards of the ball in either, in either direction. I guess five yards of the ball in either direction. Everybody's all packed in. And yep. when the snap happens, it's a fake. They send more. They send more head in motion. Right. Then it's a fake yeah. to Peyton. But they don't even. McMahon doesn't even really bother with the fake. Yeah. They're trying to pull. Two two, well, yeah, who just yeah, completely but, yeah. ignores the fact that number ninety-one is is unblocked. Yep. So now McMahon has no time to do anything except throw off his back foot, and when he does, they have two tight ends in the exact same spot in the end zone. Emory, Tim Wright, Tim Wright and Emory. Yep. Just a disaster <laughs> from the very beginning. Matt Nagy right now is writing this time. Oh, this is good. We can run this <laughs> well, a couple of times. He's Sunday. like, if only Suey makes that block, that play is brilliant. Like, it, There's no guarantee that's even true if Suey makes the block. I don't know what, the, you know. So there's a man trying to, his, his headband is coming off. His helmet's coming well, off. Well, that, that, by the way, that, that'd be a penalty today if he, mm-hmm. took, it, he took his helmet off on the field. Uh, but Ra- Randy Wright's not giving up, kids. He's going to try to get these. Yeah, they're only down two pick. scores. It's still yeah. the third quarter. Good, gritty, little, great Wisconsin quarterback. Randy yep. Wright. Yep. Local legend. Uh, you'll have to tune it in again on uh, when we get to 14.08, just because we're not seeing a lot of the image that you'll see on opposing quarterbacks through these various games in this footage. But here you will. You'll hear Gifford allude to it. If you if you if you play or you play that one again, you, you, even even from this point. But 
Apparently, Randy White's getting hit. Too. Randy White is getting has hit. The first down. He's out near the forty-three yard line as Gary Fensick made the stop. Once again from the shotgun, Randy White gets it away, but he is pounded once again as Jesse Clark could not hold on. And Randy Wright is going to have some bruises on his body tonight. Second down. I mean, we're not seeing uh, in this video. I, I want to go back and look at the the, the game that's it's, not. It's so really evident. unfortunate that they stopped at the audio right there because I I remember what happens. So he says Randy Wright's gonna have some bruises on his body tonight, and OJ says, "What are you talking about? We're not even dating." <laughs> and then that Frank says something about, "Oh yeah, what time is my flight?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Joe said, "I want to kiss you." And then, yeah, all, all <laughs> yeah they all played the hits right at the moment. <laughs> so fourth quarter, Bears have the ball. Uh, understated yeah. run by Peyton for five or six. I mean, that's how he did it. Clearly a third and short because, or it, or the Bears are <laughs> just running McMahon on quarterback sneaks so, for no reason. I want I want to focus on this punt that's coming up because uh, I don't think the Bears got the first down and it's a, uh, or you know actually, no at, at fifteen, but. I'm going to start talking about Philip Epps again. Oh, yeah. There's not, a not Lewis Lewis. for a loss. Yep. But the Bears punt. And so, all right, we know it's still only a two-score game, again, because we don't have the privilege of a scoreboard. We don't know how much time is left. But Maury Buford punts the ball. Now, kids, for those of you at home, there was a time when the only way you could find out what the score the time left in the game and the quarter, the down and distance was, was to have the announcer tell you, which uh, apparently Jeff Joniak still uh, <laughs> has not quite got the grasp of either. Just think about it. Watching a game like this is like watching, listening to a game with Jeff Joniak. Right well, now. you know, it, w- it would be like if uh, you weren't really watching a game, but in like your sister was or your mom was or whatever, and you wanted to get a score of the game, you kind of, at least in my household, you had a right to change the channel and watch the game until they showed you the score because you'd have no way of knowing. You're like, hey, I'm being gracious. I'm not hogging the TV, but I need to know the score. So we need to turn the facts of life off and, you know, and check it out. So So I remember one of the things, when we first got a satellite dish and the first – the first time we got upgraded to a new receiver, and it actually had an on-screen display. So when you changed the channel, it would show you the name of the channel. It was in huge block letters. The name of the channel and the show. During Cub games, when you changed the channel, if you changed it back to WGN, it would show you WGN and then the score. Whoa! What? And so there would be times when you could watch the game for a little bit, and you could literally just change the channel up and back. And then see what just, the score was. Just so some poor score. schlub was back at orbiting the Earth on a satellite. I guess I'm sure that's how it works. Was having to watch the Cub game and then just update the score manually on the thing. <laughs> now it is kind of so. Of course, when the score bug first came in, it was, it was Fox's innovation. They call it the Fox Box. I called it the Fox Box in the beginning, and CBS used it. Um, NBC, so so Fox famously outbid CBS for the NBC for the uh, NFC package for the nineteen ninety beginning of the nineteen ninety four season, and they instituted the Fox box, and they NBC did. wouldn't do it they for like refused. three or four years. Yep, Don Olmeyer was just being a complete prick, and he's like, "No, I, we don't want people tuning away if the game's a blowout." It's like, oh, so what do you think when people tune the game on, and they sit around waiting for Dick Enberg to finally tell you what the score is? 
do you think then they're like, well, I've watched it this long. I should probably keep watching. No, they changed the fucking channel. You yeah, might as well show them the scores. And it's like, hey, Don, did you ever think the other thing might happen where they might turn the game on and be like, holy shit, it's 38-34. And I want to see what happens now. That's right. It was just, it was ridiculous. They clearly well, just didn't do it because they didn't fucking think of it. That was the that reason bit, they weren't going to show it. That Bear Steelers game that we broke down a few weeks ago where Curtis Conway, a alligator armed a, a beautiful pass from Eric Kramer, eventually knocked the Bears out of the playoffs. That was 1995. So Fox was in their second year. NBC still wasn't yep. using the score. Oh, yeah. Right they now. were. Um, Monday Night Football started using it before okay. NBC would use it. NBC was the holdout. And then. People were using it for other sports, and NBC's like, nope, we're still not going to use it. And finally, they're like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> what a, we kind of got to do this. What and a hill to die on. No. So the aforementioned Philip Epps does something that I think is kind of questionable here, but he will exceed this in dubiousness a few weeks later. But he oh, catches yeah. the Johnny punt. Bailey. Yeah, right. But Bailey ran it back 97 yards yeah. against the Chiefs in 1990. Um, Epps. It doesn't let the ball drop, which you what you should absolutely do inside the five. Instead, he catches it, tries to return it. He actually picks up, I don't know, what, eight yards or whatever? Here's the thing. I already talked about the rematch in a couple weeks when Fred, when, when Ditka like, rubbed it in Forrest Gregg's face even worse by throwing a pass to Perry, but also in that game. That was actually a tight game. Yeah, 16 the, to 10. 16 to 10. The odd... The Bears only scored two touchdowns. They got a sack at one. They were losing that game at one point, ten to seven. And in that case, so just in case you're wondering, like Philip, Forrest Gregg or anybody may have had to pull Philip Philip Epps aside after he fields a punt inside the three and tries to run it and say, you know what, maybe let that one drop. I don't think anyone did because when they played in Lambeau two weeks or three weeks later. And the Packers were winning mystifyingly in the second half, 10 to 7. Epps literally did make a fair catch at the one. Oh, good job. And that and that led to a safety. Yeah, because on this punt that he fields, and he breaks all the punter rules. You're supposed to like put your you put your heels on the ten and you don't back up. You never, under any circumstances, field the ball inside the five. And you're really not supposed to be fielding any kind of punt deep if you're moving backwards. When you yeah, catch it. Right. And he's right. doing all of that all in one. So good job. Phil. But hey, look, I caught it. Yeah. yeah. So anyway. So now Randy so right in the shadow are... of his own goal line. Yeah. There's Philip Epps again, though. Yeah, Makes a, a nice pass to fill out 40 yard catch or whatever. Yeah. Mike so Packers, not... a lot of shame. Well, we almost have to hear, uh, we almost have to hear uh, Frank tell us that the Packers are. Uh, I think it was at 15-19. He tells us that they're still in this game, which is laughable. And then immediately the end. Comes back to the football, and he'll have the first down in front of Mike Richardson out to the 47-yard line. They're still in this one. They're down 21-7. But they're in danger of losing another quarterback. That was Steve McMichael. So Randy Wright goes down again. So for one moment, he's saying they're in this, and then yep. two seconds later, they're about to lose another quarterback. They only have so many. So yes, Literally, yeah. before he can finish the sentence, Randy Wright is under siege with both Hampton and McMichael chasing him. Yeah. It's like, I what am I talking about? And, 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 to, and to back uh, uh, Frank's point, I think it's a little bit later he tells us that, and I, I don't even think he's being, I think it's at 1548, but I, I don't know if he's specific to, um, to Wright but he basically makes a reference to how the quarterbacks have been playing all night for the Packers. 
uh, is the quarterback has been hammered all night. But this is where it gets exciting because at 15:55, we get a Jim Zorn sighting. Yes. Coming around the horn. And I just, I just wanted to, I just wanted to. Jim Zorn, the Seattle Seahawks (laughs) quarterback, warming up on the sideline. Wait a minute. So, so does Frank think Jim still plays for the Seahawks and is like on loan? Right. To the Packers, he's not game. a for, he's not not a former no. current, Seahawks he's current Seahawks starter, Jim Zorn. That that flew, to, of the flew fact, to Chicago on Monday right. to be the emergency in spite quarterback. Of the fact that according to Frank, the Packers are still in this game, that their quarterback situation is so dire that Jim Zorn has had to make an emergency flight to Green Bay. So, but I, I do want to just remark about Jim Zorn that I feel like everyone that was like even vaguely following the NFL in the early '80s before before this four or five years before knew who Jim Zorn was, uh, at least in my household. Primarily because he was a lefty. Now I've got two yep. brothers that are uh, uh, both left-handed. Uh, they're older than me quite a bit, so they were into the NFL. I was aware of Jim Zorn's presence. Um, he was actually pretty good because I looked mm-hmm. it up. He had like three or four straight 3,000-yard seasons, which, of course, a Bears fan can only dream of 40 yeah. years later. Well, he's also throwing uh, Steve Largent, which didn't hurt. Well, I was going to say Steve Largent made his career Zorn and then also uh, the tiny hand – or with Zorn and the tiny-handed future Bears quarterback Dave Craig. Yep. I almost, you almost feel bad for Zorn because he was really good on a bunch of shitty Seahawks teams. Uh, and just when the Seahawks as a team, because they're an expansion team with the Buccaneers in 76, uh, by 81, 82, and they started approaching the playoffs, uh, Zorn was thrown over the side for the aforementioned tiny handed Dave Craig. And, but like, it, but he seemed like a sort of an elite quarterback for a few years, but he definitely was unique because he was a lefty. He seemed like the, the one left-handed quarterback in the NFL. So uh, just the, the prior context that Jim Zorn all of a sudden appearing for the sad sack mustard colored you know, small Midwestern town football team that, you know, supposedly had a great history behind them. Uh, and he's their third quarterback. And he's about to get into this game. He actually ended up playing in 13 games that year. He only made five starts. But he well, was, yeah. he was the only Packer with a winning quarterback record that year. He was 3-2. and two. Dickie was 5-5. Well, so, Randy Wright good for Jim Zorn. He was uh, a much more primary presence when they in the rematch in Lambeau. I don't know if he quarterbacked the whole game. or it, Dickie was gone, I think. But it might have been Wright and Zorn in the rematch. But he only gets a cameo at the end here. Yeah, there is handing off. To, he, even, even, though, even though Giff says they're in the game. Forrest just wants to get out of town and forget this game ever happened. And stop looking at probably the smirking Ditka across the side, you know, across the field. Nice shot of Stephen Michael hiking his pants up. That's yep. what he did all the time. Here's another fuck you oh, for yeah. Greg moment. So the Bears, they go to Steve Fuller up two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Dick is like, ah, it's over. And I checked, by the way, McMahon was not hurt. No, uh, yeah, he. Actually, I did too. I made sure he week. started the next week, and he did. Yeah, you never know. You never know with the fragile Jim McMahon. But. So there he over badly overthrows Tim Reitman. And then in typical Dick of fashion, we see Steve walking to the side and pointing, like, hey, that it was a penalty. Right, right. But the fact that Dick And is then still the next time the you ball. see a quarterback, it's Mike Tomzak. It's rookie. Getting lit rookie. up. That's because he dropped the snap. Yeah, it was not a bad snap. Don't blame Hilgenberg. Um, and I'll pile on Mike Tomzak any chance I get. In spite of the, I know he's a local kid, but you know, but, always was sort of like he was a he was a, he was a so, lucky son of a bitch. He's a rookie, an undrafted free agent rookie on this team that got snaps and got a ring and 
found himself thrust into, you know, more uh, relevant action than he should have. Do we think Ditka benched the backup quarterback? I I think so. He was really trying. That play to Reitman should have worked, yep. damn it. And Forrest Gregg would have to put more balm on his ass. So anyway, Maury Buford's going to punt again. We think. Or is he going to run another fake punt? It's would have been great. <laughs> See? We just talked about a game last week where Bob Parsons faked two punts in the game. That was the that's game right. they had to score all the points against well, the Cardinals to make the playoffs. That's right. He had two uh, pass attempts, right? Yeah, and they probably were both fake punts. So we're not done with the scoring, though. It feels like this game's just about over. The Bears got it in the bag. But, you know, there's one thing the 85 Bears seem to do more than any other team in history. Yeah. And that was get well, two when points you, on When you play. sack the quarterback every play, eventually right. it's going to be in the end zone. <laughs> so Jim Zorn, the kid, the guy that as kids we would sort of say, oh, that guy's really, you know, we were seeing this guy just get, you know, demystified and denigrated on the soldier field turf. I mean, what an indignity for poor Jim Zorn gets sacked in his own end zone for safety. He also, of course, got, he was the quarterback. I'm pretty sure got sacked again two weeks later when Phillip Epps caught the punt at the one when the bears beat the Falcons 36, nothing a week after they beat the Cowboys 44, nothing. They got a sack. They got a safety in that game. And of course they got a safety in the super bowl. They may have, they may, they may have had one or two more safeties in the 85, in the 85 season. So, but this was one of them and making the score 23, seven. Yeah. They should have brought <laughs> Dick is like, yeah, fuck it. Uh, Tom's like, I'll fuck this up. Uh, Steve, you know how to take a knee. You go take a knee. You know what? Andy, I see you producing it. I did not know that this game rolled right into the aforementioned uh, Bears Packers game. Unfortunately, I'm out of beer. Uh, yeah, we could just go right into it. Now you want to do the, week, the next one? <laughs> I'm going to watch that one. Maybe we can cover it in the future. Uh, that one is funny all on its own. I, both of those games is really sort of. They're fun to look at, obviously. Uh, it gives us an opportunity to look away from the goings-on of Yeah, well, today, it's a chance so. to look back to a, a day when the Bears were doing to the Packers what the Packers have been doing to the Bears. Yep. Because that's we've tried to remind people it, so, wasn't, it wasn't always this way. There, were plen- there have been right. plenty of stretches in this rivalry where the Bears have pounded the Packers mercilessly. And, it's, and as our our new best friend Justin Fields has said, it's going to turn around, and it's going to turn around fast. It will correct itself, and you know that's it ain't going to happen Sunday fact... night, but it's going to happen at some point. No, but you know, and that's evidenced by the fact that, like someone pointed out, the all-time record is that the Packers, in spite of absolutely owning us, owning the Bears, for the last let's say twenty-five years, outside of that uh, five-year lovey period, are only like seven or eight games or something like that, or they just passed. They just hit barely have a winning record. I mean, they had to do all that work just to bear, just to pull even basically with the bears. So uh, I hope they enjoyed it. And, you know, the other thing is I know I, I always assume a lot of the people that, you know, a lot of the d- degenerates that do listen to our podcast are of the same demographic as us. But I know like Mike Presnowski is a, is a, I think he was born in 1994 and I know he knows his history for a kid his age, but like, I'd like to think that, you know, not having been there, I know you read the books, uh, but yeah, just not that you need any more evidence, uh, but having spent the last night, you know, 75, 80 minutes going over it, it, uh, it's, it was definitely a thing. It was a real thing. And the, the bears were so dominant that we didn't even give the Packers a second thought. Yeah. So this rivalry is in its 11th decade now. And the bears have had the advantage in six of them and the Packers in five and the bear, although it feels really bad because the Bears had the winning record in the rivalry in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 70s, and 80s. 
Only the Packers yeah. rose up in the 60s, and the Bears haven't had it since. Uh, the 2000s that's were fairly end. close. It was 12 to 8. But uh, as we and all know, because of Lop- the Packers yeah, okay. have won 20 of the last 24. Okay. Yeah. Enjoy it. Like I said, it's. Uh, I mean, they, they've they've enjoyed a, a very lopsided advantage. I mean, you know, <laughs> I hate to cry foul, but it is pretty you know incredible that we're sitting here with a uh, with with a quarterback from the '40s who just in the last six years had his all time pass uh, his all his all time franchise record for uh, completion yards broken by having to sit through these ingrates and their two quarterbacks. I remember Lynn Dickey, washed up old curly haired bastard. Yep. I liked it better when they had guys like him. <clears throat> can't wait for the Jordan Love era to start. Can't start soon enough. Can't start on, si- on uh, Sunday because he's got COVID. But uh, otherwise, who knows? <laughs> All right, so that's the, that's the Bears and the Packers. And next week... Uh, the Bears play the Vikings, and we've got something special planned for that one too. We don't have to get into that. You can just everybody can just be all excited all week trying to think of what we're going to do uh, for the Vikings and the Bears. So, uh, well, thanks a lot, Mike. Thanks, Andy. That was fun. Yep. Go Bears. Go Bears. There's learning lessons through all of it. Many of us have herpes. 